Welcome to episode 551 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Josh, it feels like it's been a month because, well, I think it's been a month for me. Or close. <laughs> I missed 550. You did. You did. You know, actually, I, I said that or as we were pre-planning the show a few minutes ago that we only have one piece of feedback. That's not true, actually. Uh, I did get a text message from a friend of mine that listens to the show, and he said that when we do the shows without you, uh, the show title should be Josh Plus, because it's you know it's less Richard, and <laughs> it's just fitting with every single streaming service name. There you go. Right? Josh so Plus. From now on, it's Josh Plus when Richard's not around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you, Dan, for that. Uh, we do have a, a more traditional piece of listener feedback. This was sent into us via email, not a text message from a friend. Uh, from David T., he sent this to entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. And he said, I just wanted to give your listeners a warning about Cody version 19. Do not. Did, did you catch that he typed that in all caps? Do not upgrade to the latest version of Cody because all third party add ons cease to work under 19.0. They have reworked how add ons work using Python 3 instead of Python 2. The end result is that any third party add ons you have installed will be disabled and will cease to work. Yikes. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably a little bit more detail than most people would understand, but the gist of it is that they upgraded their platform for add-ons. So if you rely on add-ons and your add-on developers haven't updated them to work with a new platform, then you are going to experience problems and your add-ons aren't going to work. So I think it's probably fair to say that if you're not relying on add-in add-ons and you're just using Cody out of the box, you're probably okay to upgrade. Is that anybody? Well, I honestly don't know because I don't know enough about Cody to know how much you rely on add-ons. That's one thing where I feel like Plex finally got it right where they created the interface and the uh, the whatever they call them channels and everything else they they built that all in out of the box so that their add-ons are really obscure things like i want to control my receiver through uh, rs232 ports or something like that <laughs> Yeah, but but the add-ons like that's one of the main reasons why people are using Cody. Yeah, yeah. So, good advice. I guess it's interesting to like. We'll need to watch when developers get this stuff fixed, right? Like, if this is the case that David has experienced, that suggests that none of the developers for the plugins that he relies on have had time to make the necessary changes or maybe even still support the add-ons they created. That's another potential problem here. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I have to imagine that this transition was well announced to at least the developers a while ago as they were planning this. So hopefully uh, many of the developers out there, especially of the more popular add-ons, have been working on and preparing for this release. And hopefully, you know, any day now, or maybe already, <laughs> those updates are available. But with something as popular and widespread as Cody that ha that has been around for years, there there's sure to be a number of add-ons that no one's really supporting anymore. Right. But but might still be popular. Yeah. And in that case, you might just be out of luck. Right. And maybe you'll need to look for an alternative. I mean, it's likely that somebody else has maybe done something similar that you could use. Keep in mind with something like Cody, this isn't like 
in the smart home space where Samsung announces that they're changing the platform for developers to build drivers to work with smart things. We're not talking about major companies that are producing these add-ons. We're talking about hobbyist developers. Right. Right. Just people doing this on on their own time for very little return. Right. <laughs> so yeah, you definitely can't count on uh, immediate updates. Although sometimes that does end up resulting in shorter updates because they don't have to work it into development cycles and all that other stuff. But but for for something, you know, comparing it to to smart things, uh, you know, in that case, Samsung gave developers many, many months, if not years, yeah. to, to figure that sort of stuff yeah. out. Yeah. One more comment on this. If you rely on a developer's plugin and you're reaching out to them to find out if they plan on updating, please be nice. These are people that do this stuff because they love this product. And I'm sure that if you depend on their add-in, you're frustrated about the situation. They probably are too. Right. For sure. All right. Well, thank you to David T for that message. If you want to send us uh, feedback for a future episode, entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com or head to the show notes where we've got all the rest of our contact information because, well, not all of it. I'm not putting my phone number up there. You, you can't text me. <laughs> only, only Dan or people who currently have my phone number get to text me. <laughs> all right. So let's jump into the news. Richard, the first one is about Samsung. They had another event in the last week or so to kind of re-unveil uh, some of their, their new TV sets that are going to be coming out soon. Back at CES, we were kind of excited about, I mean, pretty excited, not kind of, pretty excited about their micro LED TVs. Right. And this event that they had was largely about their micro LED TVs. and. As a reminder, and I feel like we're going to have to do this for a while uh, to remind people what these different technologies are. What the heck is micro LED? Is that the same thing as mini LED? No, it's not. Micro LED, way better. It's a brand new, you know, completely different type of technology. Um, mini LED is good and it's better than regular LED for sure, but micro LED uses a completely different process. It is. It is a lot more like OLED than than the other types of technologies out there and has the potential to actually be better than OLED. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But it absolutely has the potential to do it, uh, at the very least, because it's way easier to make micro-LEDs a lot brighter than the OLEDs that we're getting right now. But they can also be... They can also do the blacks every bit as well as OLED can do. So that that's what's really amazing about micro LED plus the fact that the way that it's all constructed, you can do enormous TVs. Right. Like 110 inch TVs. <laughs> and they talked to Samsung talked about this 110 inch TV at CES in January. They said it would be coming in March. They missed that date a little bit. It's actually coming in April in the U.S. And they're also going to be releasing the 99-inch model in in April. They announced an 88-inch model, which will be coming this fall. And then the other new announcement was a 76-inch model, but no real date on that, just in the future. So... This 110-inch TV, like, I, I think it can be kind of hard to imagine how, just how big is a 110-inch TV. But I think most people can pretty easily imagine a 55-inch TV. It's one of the most common TV sizes out there. Mm-hmm. Take a 55-inch TV, go gather up three more, mm-hmm. and glue them together in a 4x4 grid. That's a 110-inch TV. Big. That's how big this thing is. Yeah, it's awesome. Now, the other thing that I want to talk about here is, of course, price. I will say, we don't have the actual U.S. price yet. But we do know what this thing cost in in South Korea 
and we can do the math, and that comes out to $156,000 for the 110-inch TV. Piece of cake. I think I was about 100000 off. I expected, if I remember correctly, when we talked about this after CES, that this was probably going to come in at about sixty or 70000 Way, way, way off there. You're even more off. I went back and listened. I wanted to see what our estimates were. <laughs> so you estimated it to be... It'll probably be somewhere between twelve and twenty thousand. No way. Yes, you said twelve and twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> and I said, really? I'm thinking more like thirty to forty thousand dollars. Okay. We're both so out of touch. Yeah, like I mean, we were both super, super wrong. Wow. I was slightly less wrong. But yeah, you said thirty to forty thousand. Maybe if it was a Sony, it would be thirty to forty thousand. Yeah. Wowza. $156,000. That is just wild, particularly considering the analogy that you just gave, right? Four yeah. 55-inch televisions roughly are going to give you what you get out of this thing. Now, obviously, there's more to it than that. But we're talking, uh, we're talking two orders of magnitude <laughs> more expensive than that, as opposed right. to just four times more expensive or whatever. That's wow. 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 Now, yeah. you know, you mentioned that the micro LED technology is better than OLED in a number of ways. If I remember correctly, this is the technology behind the wall. One of the things that makes this technology so cool is that they can basically shape it into anything. We saw this technology wrapped around round corners of their booth. They had all kinds of crazy uses for this technology when they were demonstrating the proof of concept. So, okay, I get it. It's really, really different and, and futuristic and modular, but holy cow. I, I'll have to wait. I need, I don't know, many more things first. Uh, yeah. I mean, in, in middle America, that's a nice house. Yeah. Not, not where I live. No. On no. the coastal state of no. Maryland. But seriously, that, right, right, right. Multiple cars for that. Like M multiple really nice cars. Decades of cars for that price. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. You could buy two Porsches for this. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Well, how about something that cost a little, just a little bit less? A little bit less. A little bit. Like a $50 Chromecast. Okay. That's much <laughs> more affordable. I bought uh, an extra one of them while I was on vacation, actually. Uh, how could you afford to buy an extra one? I mean, these things are so expensive. I know. <laughs> By the way, it wasn't vacation. I keep on calling it that. It wasn't vacation. I was working. No, you're working the whole time. It's just a different place. That's not vacation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Google TV, uh, we, we had talked about this a couple weeks ago. It was kind of rumored. Um, that, that they would be adding kids profiles to Google TV and surprise it's official. So, uh, this is basically happening now on Google TV with, with Chromecast devices coming to more Google TV devices and then eventually Android TV devices. Also it's kids profiles, you know, Parents get to choose which apps, which services show up inside of the kids' profile. Parents can also choose specific content from the Google Play family library. So if you've purchased a bunch of movies and shows via Google Play, uh, although actually I bet that this would also include anything that you've registered through TV Anywhere, um, because those movies show up in my Google Play library. I've mm -hmm. not looked to see if they show up as part of the Google Play family library, but I have to imagine they do. 
So if you've been, you know, registering all of your Disney movies and stuff like that, they'll show up in there and you you can make that super easy for your kids to to stream that sort of stuff. And then also uh, a lot of uh, screen time management functionality. So you can set up, you know, this person gets X number of hours of time on the TV per day. You can also say, and bedtime is at 8 p.m. And you don't even have to be the bad guy because if the kid is running out of screen time or it's almost bedtime, it'll pop up a notification right on the TV saying, hey, bedtime's in, I don't know what the windows are. Maybe it's like bedtime's in 15 minutes and then bedtime's in 10 minutes and uh, hey, buddy, it's bedtime. And then it shuts off. And they can be mad at the TV instead of you, uh, I guess. I don't think it really works that way. I think they're mad at you when you don't agree to give them more screen time. But, you know, that that's another issue. Probably. Probably. But doing things like that is possible. Uh, it does have some functionality built into the Google Family Link app. So if you've been, you know, if you're more of an Android house and you've got Android devices, then you're probably used to using the Family Link app for controlling screen time on their phones and tablets. Android tablets, that's hilarious. Uh, Android phones, I guess. <laughs> you know, So you're going to be able to control some of these features right from, from that app also. So good stuff. Now we're just waiting on adult profiles, right? So that we can get customized recommendations per adult in the house instead of having to to share one profile with many adults in the house and maybe you don't agree on viewing preferences yeah we may not want to call them adult profiles that may be misconstrued but that does seem a little weird (laughs) i was wondering where you were going with that i was yeah but yeah, but yeah, no. And this is a clearer harbinger to that, right? Why would they put this out if they're not going to do that at some point in time? We talked about that when uh, we first heard about this rumor. This is a great feature. I'm excited to see this. Frankly, this is probably more valuable to families than having second adult profiles or second person profiles. So this gives this really gives Google a big win in terms of keeping up with some of the capabilities of other devices that are already out there. And this thing's only been around for what, like three or four months now. Is it that recent? I guess it was, well, it was sometime last fall, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was, I think I got mine in October or November. Well, October would be, Okay, that'd be that'd be five months ago. So (laughs) four or five months, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool addition. Uh, Last video story, not such a great one. At least it's a short one. So we talked. uh, Maybe it's last episode. I don't know. I can't keep track of time anymore either. About Plex TV integration with the Apple TV experience, we had hoped. And maybe it would include your personal library showing up inside of your, you know, next up queue and things like that. But we guessed that it probably wouldn't be that, that instead it would just be the ad supported free streaming content that Plex provides. And turns out, yeah, that's exactly what it was. You're not going to be able to include your your Plex personal video library in the Apple TV experience. You're not going to be able to include your live TV setup either. So it is just the stupid live streaming stuff. You're so down on, on these ad supported streaming services. I think this is a big, big deal, particularly for Plex because they, as I have chided them for, for years have had this mentality that no, we're the center of the universe. Everybody comes to us. And for them to recognize that people with Apple TV devices are depending upon the Apple TV app. And even people without Apple TV devices are depending upon the Apple TV app to curate content for them. This is a 
big concession, I think. And it, it it's potentially a first step. Now, we don't, they, they haven't suggested that they're going to do more or that at some point in time you're going to get your library. But this is a good first step. And frankly, making your library available is a much harder endeavor. It requires a much more significant infrastructure than they probably already have in place to support this sort of stuff. They can depend largely on what their content provider already uses to make this content available to Apple. If they're going to make your Plex library available, then they have to have all this sort of cloud infrastructure to be aware of your Plex library. And frankly, as a customer of content that you have on your Plex server, do you want that? So there's there's a whole lot to work through there to make that happen, but I'm happy to see this. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Well, are you excited about this next product? You are a Sonos user. I am. And rumors were out a couple of weeks ago that we were going to see a new product from Sonos and a less expensive, and I say less expensive relative to other Sonos products, a less right. expensive wireless speaker that would work with the Sonos ecosystem, but could be kind of taken with you like any old portable Bluetooth speaker. And what they delivered, I think, is impressive. So the the product is called the Roam. It is Sonos's cheapest product that they've had yet at $169. That is, I believe, $30 cheaper than the one. And I believe $10 cheaper than they make a version of the one that doesn't have the assistant. I forget what they call that, but so one SL. Okay. There you go. So from what I can tell, this is a really good offering. It's supposed to have sound quality on par with the one. It can be paired just like other speakers from Sonos so that you could have two of them and create a stereo pair. These are wireless speakers. You're out on the beach or somewhere or at the pool and you can pair your wireless speakers to create a wireless pair and they work. Can you do that? Can you do that when you're in Bluetooth? Oh, that's a really good question. And I I don't know the answer to that. I bet you can only do that when you're on Wi-Fi. I don't know the answer to that. Right. You mentioned Wi-Fi, so yes, these are wireless speakers, but of course they work with everything Sonos. So if you have Sonos on your system at home and you're in range of that, then and you have to be in range with that. Remember, Sonos doesn't work remotely. You have to be in range of it. Then you have the access to all of the goodness of your Sonos stuff. And in addition, you can throw it in your bag, take it to the beach with you, and use it as a wireless Bluetooth speaker. Frankly, I'm impressed by this. They seem to be doing everything right. It uses USB-C. It has wireless charging from Qi, or you can buy an optional charger. It's going to be available at the end of April or or late to mid-April. And it's... I, I will probably buy one. Like, I've already decided that I want one. I think this is an impressive offering and it's what a lot of people have been asking for. It's certainly a much better offering, I think, than the three or four hundred dollar wireless speaker they came out with last year. Yeah, yeah. The move at four hundred dollars. It's just nuts. Didn't really make a lot of sense to me. No, it's, and, it's nuts. and the move is is so much bigger than this that it's not as portable. I mean, if you're packing up to go to the beach or a picnic or whatever, then I guess the move is fine. But if you're just like, like I, I know what Richard's going to do with this thing. He's going to take this with him when he goes on trips. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be how he listens to podcast in the hotel room. And it is perfect for that. Yep. Yep. But when he's at home, it plugs in with the rest of his Sonos ecosystem. So 
he's going to stick it in a room that doesn't currently have a Sonos. And I mean, probably, but (laughs) this is super smart. Like, I love this. This is, you know, I have a couple of JBL uh, Google speakers in my house and, and they are like this where they have a battery in them. They will support Bluetooth uh, when you're, when you're out of the house, but they're not nearly as smart as, as this is where like, you know, if you're out and about and using Bluetooth and then you come home, it recognizes that it's on wife, like the, the Sonos recognizes that it's, oh, I'm back at home now mm-hmm. and it just switches automatically to the Wi-Fi mode. Um, it's in, it's an incredibly useful, you know, set of features. And I think that this type of speaker is the perfect introductory speaker to an environment like this, to an ecosystem like this, because you might not really know where you want your speaker. Mm. And if you've got to plug it in, in every different room as you're trying out different places and stuff, (laughs) that's kind of a pain. Right. But if you just pick it up and walk to the kitchen with it, now I'm going to pick it up and take it to the bathroom so I can listen while I'm showering. Yeah. Like it's so easy. It's so easy. I, I really love this. Now, I don't own any Sono stuff, Richard. I know that, so I'm hoping you can answer a question for me. And, and I think some of our listeners might have a similar question. So this does support um, Amazon's voice assistant and Google's voice assistant uh, and AirPlay too, by the way, if you're an iOS house and right. just looking for streaming. So when it says that it supports those assistants, can you also use this as a smart speaker? Yeah. Like if you ask it, you know, if you say, hey, gee, what's the weather? It'll also tell you. Yes. It's not just allowing you to bark out commands to the Google Assistant. Right. Yeah. It will work as a normal assistant. The the problem is that Amazon and Google both limit the things that smart devices that they don't make can do. and. I think you've encountered this a little bit with the the JBL speakers. All of the features that are available on your other Echoes, for example, like, for example, calling, dropping in on a room or calling a room almost like an intercom between two rooms, that capability isn't available with all of the third-party speakers yet. That's something that they have to add in. They have to get certified for it. Everybody knows Amazon makes certification challenging. So that's a costly endeavor for a lot of companies. And they don't, they either don't have that capability yet because it's too costly, or Amazon or Google haven't made those capable, uh, those features available for third party developers. So, yes, it is, but it won't be able to do absolutely everything that your native Echo or Google Nest Home device might be able to do. Very cool. I like this a lot. Yeah, I do too. And I know some people are balking at the price, but it's Sonos pricing. If you're in the Sonos ecosystem or if you're considering the Sonos ecosystem, this price should not surprise you. $400? That surprised me. This doesn't surprise me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to see this at more like 139 because I I don't believe for a second that it's going to sound as good as a Sonos one. I think it'll be close-ish, but it's hard to beat physics when it comes to speaker design and bigger speakers are easier to make sound better. Right. So we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe for holidays and stuff, you can pick it up for something like 139 ish, but I, I, yeah, I I think it's a good, it's still a good price for Sonos. Agreed. All right. A a quick and probably smallish story for, to round out our audio segment here, Amazon music, which Richard, I believe is what you're still using, right? I still do have Amazon music, even though I also have Apple music now. Yes. (laughs) So Amazon Music as an app 
has now arrived on Google TV and Android TV. And actually, I kind of thought this was already there. Right. But I think I must have just been confusing it with uh, Amazon Prime Video. No, I don't think you are. I think it's been there. I think you, I think this is an upgrade of some sort. Because as far as I'm aware, I was using Amazon Music on Google TV the entire time I was away in January oh, really? and February. Huh. Unless I thought I was using something else with a blue tile and a smiley arrow face. <laughs> Well, that seems unlikely. <laughs> so maybe this isn't actually new. Huh. Yeah, I, it has to be an up. The, the only thing I can think of is it's some sort of update, and maybe they came out with a new version that supports Google TV and Android TV equally and brings all the features to all the devices or something like that. But uh, yeah, we were using this on Google TV while we were away, and it worked great. Great. All right. Well, then. End of that story. <laughs> Crazy. All right. So a little bit, I, I guess this is gaming uh, because it is on an Xbox, but uh, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a little bit more smart home than, than anything else, but I thought it was worth pointing out that Amazon's smart assistant, you know, her name, that app is now available on the Xbox. And now when we say you know an app available on Xbox, we mean on Xbox 1 and the Series S and X. So, you know, the last 8 years worth of devices that Xbox has put out, this app will run on all of them. And you might be thinking, but couldn't I already do stuff with the Amazon Voice Assistant on my Xbox? Yes, yes you could. You've been able to take your Echo speaker and have it control your Xbox for a while now. You've been able to to ask that assistant to turn on your Xbox and start up your favorite games and and things like that for a while. But what having the app on on your Xbox does for you is that it enables some of the visual experience stuff to happen. So if someone comes to your door and you have a Ring video doorbell, you can view the doorbell camera on your tv that's pretty awesome that's the killer app right there that absolutely that is the killer app um but you, it'll also like show music that you've got streaming uh to to your other devices you can ask it to show your email and your calendar i have no idea what that would look like but that's interesting um you can ask it to show you the weather Instead of just hearing the weather, you can see the the cloud and sun icons and stuff like that. So this sounds pretty great if you're living in the the Amazon Voice Assistant ecosystem and the Xbox is your primary device. You're still going to need one of those Amazon speakers to control all of this stuff because we said goodbye to connect a long time ago. So <laughs> if only Microsoft had like a speaker system built into yeah, no, no that that doesn't exist nope. anymore. Nope, sure doesn't. So, yeah, I think this is cool, especially the video doorbell uh use case. That that sounds really great. Yeah. That that is a great feature and like I said, it's the killer app for this. At some point in time I'm hoping, at the very least, they enable this through a microphone that you might have connected to a headset so that you can call up the assistant that way if you wanted to. It seems kind of ridiculous that you rely on an Echo or some other similarly enabled device in your home, when in fact there is a way to speak to this if you're gaming and you're doing other things. So hopefully at some point in time they get past that limitation. And if you're wondering, you know, what does that calendar or email or weather experience look like? If you have an Echo Show, it's basically a 10-foot version of that. You know, it's giving you the the display that you might see when you ask certain questions or ask for certain information that would otherwise appear on a show or a screen that they've created on their own devices. 
Okay, that makes sense. All right, well, sticking with the gaming news, uh, new month means new update for the Xbox and actually Xbox software across multiple platforms have been updated for March. So Series X and Series S are getting some new features. Xbox One is getting some features. Xbox mobile app is getting some features. The Xbox app on Windows 10 PCs has been updated. There's a lot here. Specific to the Series X and Series S, the FPS boost, which we talked about on the last episode, where it can drastically, sometimes even quadruple your frame rates, uh, that feature and the auto HDR features, more you know toggles now for being able to turn those features on and off. That's a good thing. Uh, of course, support for that Xbox wireless headset that I am so excited about. I like so many of my friends are excited about this headset. Uh, since it's coming out this month, they've got to get all of uh, you know this the settings stuff built into the the Xbox and Windows 10 app for that, so that you can adjust EQ, uh, configure the the auto mute sensitivity, uh, adjust mic monitoring, all of those different settings will be customizable within the Xbox settings section. On the mobile side, um, there, I don't like the way most of the, most people are talking about this. They're saying, oh, they're finally bringing achievements back to the mobile app. It's not the most accurate way of describing the situation. The Xbox app is a brand new app. It's not like they've removed achievements from the app. They wrote a new app and they just, hadn't built that feature into it yet. Now it's here. Uh, so you're going to be able to, you know, track uh, your your progress, you know, view your achievements per game. It, when you get new achievements, you'll get a notification on your phone. Frankly, I could do without that. I don't care that much about that. And I see the achievement pop up while I am playing the game. I don't know why I need that notification on my phone. So hopefully I can disable that one. It doesn't have leaderboard support yet. So if you're if you're hoping to to be able to compare your achievements to someone else, it doesn't have that yet. But I can assume that they're going they're working on that and that that will come soon. Maybe one of the more interesting changes here, at least for this show, the one guide support. One guide is not going away. It's still there. That one guide is the the feature that was initially built around plugging another TV source into your Xbox One, and then it would overlay a traditional TV guide. Right. Then Microsoft even went on to to create an HD, you know, over the air HD tuner. And all of that worked with uh, this this one guide, giving you the TV listings for all of that. One guide still works in the sense that you can still use that over-the-air tuner. You can still plug some other HDMI source into your Xbox One and view it. But the TV guide is going away. You know... Not, not really surprising. Yeah. But this seems so familiar. Like, I feel like we've gone through this experience before where Microsoft created this consumer-oriented product that was going to deliver TV and other experiences to your living room, and it had this guide, and then at some point in time, they just kind of, like, turned the guide data off, and it was far less useful. I don't know why this is really familiar to me. No idea. That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound familiar to me at all. No idea. Like seriously, we haven't learned our lesson as Microsoft <laughs> consumers. We just we've learned nothing. Right. And and when Microsoft killed the Windows Media Center guide data, I'm pretty sure on the show we said, look out one guide, like you're next. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Very very likely. Very likely. Yeah, so not not surprising at all. I'm sure they're looking at the usage data, and there's like 17 people out there that have been using this, and they're like, well, we're going to anger 17 people. 
and we're going to save $50,000 on guide licensing information. That's, that's a pretty easy business decision to make, I think. It's probably actually way more than that. So I, seriously, in, I, I want to know, are, are you, as a listener to this show, are you still using OneGuide as a TV guide? Are you still using Xbox as a pass-through for a television content, like linear TV service source? And is this going to affect you? Because I would not be at all surprised if we have a couple people that this is going to impact. Yeah, I, I, I've got a friend. In fact, he's in the live chat tonight, who I know used to use this fairly frequently, but now he's got an HD home run. So he just right. uses the HD home run app. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, the. If you're doing this for over-the-air TV, there was only one tuner that was even supported, you know, and you couldn't DVR. That functionality never came. <laughs> you know, uh, oddly, coincidentally enough, um, when when this support, when this feature first came out, and, and I believe it was when the tuner came out, I made a YouTube video for the DMZ YouTube channel showing how to get this set up and everything. And just this week, we got a comment on that YouTube video asking, does this work on PlayStation 4? <laughs> I saw that. No, no, it doesn't. That tuner was made for the Xbox, my friend. I'm sorry. Uh, Sony said they don't care about this stuff. Yeah. And didn't, didn't build any of this type of functionality into their console. I saw that. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I, I would love to hear from any of our listeners who are still using this, especially the actual TV guide listings. Like, I think there are some people who are plugging other game consoles or it just cable boxes or whatever into that Xbox or into that HDMI input, but just you know, just to save an HDMI input on their TV or whatever. But right. Right, not as a linear input source to the Xbox itself. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so last and short story, Microsoft is reportedly, but you can be pretty confident they are, uh, we know Microsoft is planning to update all of the game consoles that are part of the Project xCloud project, uh, program, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So xCloud game streaming, it is literally data centers with Xbox One S consoles in racks. And when you when you stream from Project uh, xCloud, you know, through through uh, Game Pass cloud game streaming, you're connecting to an Xbox One S. And that becomes so obvious if you have an Xbox One X or S that you're playing at home and occasionally you're like, I'm going to fire up game pass. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, this takes forever to load. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's because it's still working off of one S hardware. They're upgrading. They're in the process of upgrading that hardware to series X and series S hardware. That's going to bring those advancements like way shorter load times and things like that. But apparently it's also Going to up the resolution that they're providing for the service right now uh the the cloud streaming through game pass it maxes out at 720p which is actually really low like all the other services are at least 1080p stadia in some cases can even do 4k so it's kind of embarrassing that, yeah. that x cloud is still 720p but if your primary use case is playing on an Android phone, who cares? Like, right. are, are you really going to notice the difference between 720p and 1080p on your phone? I'm not sure that you're going to. Maybe in some cases. So that's supposedly coming soon, but we don't really know when. Uh, I got to imagine it's right around the corner, though, and that will be nice. 
uh, especially the load. Like, I don't really care that much about the, the resolution. I will, when it does come to PC, you know, if you're, if you're playing on a 1080p monitor on your TV, or I mean, at your PC or on a 4K monitor or something like that, then a 720p stream is going to look kind of bad. So uh, 1080p streaming, once uh, cloud streaming comes to PC, that's going to be a bigger deal. So I have to imagine, you know, those might actually come at the same time. Or at the very least, the 1080p streaming should come first. Hmm. All right, Richard, that's it for our news this week. What has been going on in your entertainment center? Yeah, so I think the first exciting thing that shouldn't surprise any of our listeners is that I bought a new Dell gaming monitor. Wait, what? <laughs> a gaming monitor? Yeah, so I actually wanted a new curved monitor for my desk for work. And I have been looking for the right monitor and the right size and all the right specs for what I wanted just for work as my detached monitor for my laptop. And I haven't been able to find anything. And who would have guessed that the perfect solution ended up being a curved 32 inch Dell gaming monitor. You know what? I don't even know what to tell you about it. It has HDR. <laughs> oh, it has it HDR. Has, it has some sort of sync. I don't know which Free one. Sync or G sync. Yeah. One of those. One of those. It doesn't matter. It's a great monitor. I'm really happy with it. <laughs> I wow. just thought it was silly that that's, what I ended up having to turn to. It was on sale, so it was a good deal. So, Do you, do you know the model number? Uh, so that we can geek out? Yeah, I don't know if it's... Yeah, I mean, it. you know, it's it just like all the Dell monitor numbers. It just rolls off the tongue. Right, so it's it, like it, a DP32X5689G. S3220DGF, whatever that means. So, for my purposes, it's perfect. I'm very happy with it. Cool. Otherwise, in the hardware front, I also added some Sonos hardware. We talked about Sonos, and one of the things that uh, I had Edward buy me for Christmas was a Sonos amp. That's the new version of the amplifier that lets you tie other sources into your system and or connect external speakers to your your Sonos system. And that's what I'm using it for. This is replacing what was driving our house speakers throughout the house. And I hooked that up just this week. And I'm really excited about that. And as part of that project, I'm like, you know what? We are right at the point where I can finally upgrade my Sonos system to the, to generation two. They had that thing where they have the old generation and the new generation. And pretty much everything except the speaker in Edward's office is compatible with Generation 2. So I'm like, well, that's easy. I'll take the speaker in my office. I'll move it to his office. I don't care if I have the old one. I can still use that however I want to. But then everything that is general to the house would be on the new system. Because remember, you can have old Sonos and new Sonos systems running simultaneously. So I did that, got the old speaker from his office set up in my office, put my newer speaker in his office, and I can't get the damn Sonos system to recognize it. What? So basically, I broke his office speaker. Oh, no. <laughs> right? Like, I, I, well, I mean, I, I'm sure at some point in time I'll get it working, but here I'm like, oh, I'll just switch these speakers. It'll be all fine. And now he has no audio in his office. So, uh, so far he's been pretty calm about that, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> he's like, yeah, well, whatever. We'll, f we'll figure it out. But that's really frustrating. I don't know what's going on there. Cause I figured, all right, I'll be able to upgrade all of those to system two and then just keep the old devices to myself in spaces that I use and it'll be all good. So I have to troubleshoot that. 
on the hardware front, that is about it. So otherwise, what I've been watching, Shameless, I am up to date on that. Superstore, I'm up to date on that. We are in the midst of season five of Doctor Who now. Now back on track watching regular episodes after we had gone through that story arc that we were talking about previously. I'm actually going to take a break right now because I'm about to get into some conversation with Richard that could be considered spoilers about WandaVision. So if you want to hear the rest of that conversation, we moved it to the end of the show so that we're not at risk of ruining things for anybody. So just keep listening to the end if you want to hear the rest of the WandaVision discussion. So we finished watching The Crown season four. I believe there are two more seasons, if I remember correctly, ahead, but uh, we're up to date on everything that they had. This is basically going through the rough times or, or Diana's rough times, which seemed really prescient considering all of the recent news from her son and his wife these past few weeks. Also, keeping up with just commentary on the news more than the news these days, watching Real Time with Bill Maher last week tonight, I have not watched as much news, which is frankly refreshing. Mm-hmm. Kept up with this, actually catching up, I should say, with the most recent series uh, of Snowpiercer. That's on season two right now. I'm about halfway through that and enjoying that. And we watched. Two movies, both Melissa Carthy properties, watched Ghostbusters, the most recent Ghostbusters movie, which I always seem to catch at the end. And when I'm watching a couple scenes, I'm like, that's actually fun. We should watch that again. So we watched the whole thing this time, and I enjoyed it as much as I did the first time. I think the... uh just an interesting twist on that story with great actors. So I liked that. And then we we're like, eh, let's watch something else. Melissa McCarthy. And sure enough, there's a new movie on Hulu. I believe. I think it was Hulu called super intelligence. And this is a story about her playing her usual self. And dealing with an artificial intelligence assistant kind of person that's trying to take over everything. And it's, if you like her movies, you're going to love this. If you don't like Melissa McCarthy, don't watch this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that's all I can say about that. Finally, podcast, still a week behind. I had to catch up over the last couple of days to get back to just being a week behind. Part of that is because one of the contract jobs that I'm working on right now is a lot of copywriting and I can't listen to people talking when I'm trying to come up with words that just nope. doesn't work well. No, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> no, you end up writing what you're hearing and then yeah. that's real bad. Not good. Not good. <laughs> so Maybe I'll catch up sometime in the next month. Who knows? Next month. Come on, Richard. Give us a program. We'll see. I, I am really happy to hear that, that you're at least caught up with this show, though. I am. I am. I, you know, I, I got a bit of an advantage there. We missed last week. Yeah, that's true. I did help <laughs> you out there. All right. Well, mine is super boring. I have been crazy busy with stuff. Uh, and even though we're talking about the last two weeks of time, I've, I think in that two weeks of time, I might have played NHL one night. I probably played Call of Duty a couple of times and Wasteland 3 a couple of times. And that's about it. And then outside of WandaVision, I've watched, a, a, you know, some parts of Penguins games. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure the last time I sat down and watched an entire Penguins game. It's been a little crazy lately, and that's not going to let up over the next couple of months. (laughs) But that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
you mentioned the penguins. I have, I have a question for you. I was listening to, well, now probably last week's or slightly more than that um, episode of Make Me Smart. And they were talking about sports in the U.S. during the pandemic and how everybody was so adamant that we needed sports back. We had to get our sports back. But the reality is that hardly anybody watched the sports. So right. what's your take on that? You know, I I have to wonder if part of it is that one of the things about sports is it is a community thing. Even if I'm watching the game by myself, and this is more true for things like college football, um, when I get to work, when I get to the office on Monday, we're going to talk about college football. Or we're going to talk about college football on Friday afternoon, talking about the games that are coming up. That doesn't happen when we're not in the office. Mm-hmm. You know, if if I'm only talking to my coworkers during a 15-minute stand-up, and so we maybe have 30 seconds of time to chit-chat, we're not going to sit around and talk about sports for 10 minutes. And if you're not having those conversations, it's just not as fun. Do you think the lack of a live audience has played into it, or have people gotten over that? I know for me, it I, I've gotten over it. Um, now, now the NHL is starting to have some fans in the buildings, and you know it's greatly reduced, you know, to keep everybody spread apart and stuff. But now it's almost like, well, that's weird like why am i seeing a building at 25 percent capacity right. or or even less than that in, in many cases i think i have a friend who's planning to go to a a lions mariners game do i have that right i think that's right that would be a, a football and a baseball team okay so probably then not. Not. <laughs> uh, uh um a lions and you're probably right on mariners because lions are football and okay. Baseball's coming up. So Mariners and somebody something. from Tigers. tigers. <laughs> Lions and Tigers. See, that's why I got it confused. It's sports. It's confusing to me. So a a Tigers and Mariners game, and he's so excited about it, but he was saying like the way they're doing spacing in the stadium is kind of insane. Like they have four, I think he said they have a maximum of four parties in every section. Wow. So, you know, meaning if you're with a group, you can be together. Right. But if you're two people, then that's your party. And they're only putting four of y'all in one clump of chairs. Right. So there could be eight people in an entire section. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Wow. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... I don't know. I'd I'd be interested to hear what our listeners' perspective on this is because this is not something that I'm, you know, that I really care about personally. And I find it interesting that we went to such great lengths. I mean, the expense that the teams and the families and the owners went through, and and the leagues to mm-hmm. to make all of this happened over this last year and for the most part ended up getting the worst ratings that sports have had in like decades. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I I definitely can't speak for everybody, but I, I know that that my interest in, in football this year was not anywhere near as high as it normally would have been when, when I just, I'm not having the conversations with people. And and I think that's just the type of person I am. I'm more interested in doing things if it involves experiencing them with other people. Yeah. I like playing multiplayer games more than single player games. You know, that that sort of thing. And and the same is true with sports. Sports are more fun with friends. Could we just shortcut the football season next year and just 
give the trophy to Tom Brady? Just, I mean, <laughs> why even bother at this right. point, right? At at some point, he's not going to be able to win a Super Bowl <laughs> by himself. Uh, yeah, I, I I think <laughs> I don't know. Good grief! He is a freak of nature. <sighs> All right, well, that's it for what's going on in our entertainment centers and and basically the whole show. So if you want to get a hold of us, we we've tossed a lot of questions out to you all. We we want to hear if you're using uh the the one guide functionality on your Xboxes. We want to know how sports has impacted you lately. Uh lots lots of interesting questions for you. You can email, email us entertainment20 at digitalmediazone.com or on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at Digimediazone, or in other places too head on over to the digitalmediazone.com to get all of our contact information and of course all of the show notes for every story that we talked about tonight and then come back next week around Tuesday nights 8:30 p.m. Eastern is when we do this show live usually follow us on Twitter to know for sure when that live show is going to happen but that's generally when we do it cuz that's going to do it for episode 551 He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Bye. Okay, the WandaVision spoiler talk starts in 10 seconds. So if you don't want to hear it, this is your cue to turn off the podcast. We watched the well, no, not we. Edward tired of this tired of this series about halfway through. I watched the season finale of WandaVision and I thought it was great, but holy crap, there's a lot going on there. And you described it so well last week when you were talking about or in the last episode when I missed, where you were talking about how this is one of those things where if you you have to be really steeped in the Marvel environment, the Marvel universe to even understand the significance of some character named Agnes actually being someone else named something else that everybody would recognize if they read the comics. But you and I, we never read the comics. Right. So it's, I've had to watch YouTube videos basically after each episode to keep me informed on what it was that I just watched. Yeah. Who, now, who is this character? <laughs> right. 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 Now, because I enjoy the Marvel Universe, I don't mind that. I'm okay with that. And I liked the characters, Wanda and Vision, enough that this series in itself was enjoyable. But Everything that they threw into it and the significance of all the different characters would have gone right over my head if I hadn't been actively seeking out more information about it. And I think this is you, you've watched this too, and you, yep. and you finished it, right? We did, yeah. Will you watch season two? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> I think you just answered that question. No, I, I probably will. I, I assume they've already like agreed to make a season two. I'm pretty sure that's a given. Like, it's it's a show that three fourths of my family wanted to watch. So it, that that happens never. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll watch season two. I didn't love it. Um, m- maybe it's because I wasn't doing all of the extra googling to you know youtubing to find out what the crap all of these other characters are mm-hmm. maybe it's just that i'm not a huge mcu person that's very possible although i've always loved scarlet witch i, I thought her character was cool but i think i've also mentioned in the past that i didn't like vision like ever um so I, i'm in a weird spot there i don't i don't know I like I mean I do know. I, I will watch it. Am I gonna be super duper excited about it? N- no. 
no, I'm not, not, not the show. Like I enjoy watching something together with my family, but I'm, I'm not super excited about the show. So I think, I mean, I will definitely watch it. And I feel like there was enough in there that interested in me, interested, in, interested me without even the stuff that I didn't get that I would watch it again. I thought it was very clever. I like a story where you don't quite know what's going on and the pieces come together over time. This had lots of twists and turns. And I liked that. I thought that was really cool. Whether I got all of them or not, I, I still thought it it was good writing and good character development for all of the majors there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll so, watch it. I, I will say one thing. It does have lots of twists and turns until the end. There aren't any more twists and turns. That's mm. why I'm not excited about season two. Like. The season finale turned into a Marvel movie. We had seven episodes of interesting stuff and then a mini Marvel movie that wasn't even really that great of a mini Marvel movie. What are they going to do that's interesting from here on out? Okay. Well, I don't know if you caught this or not, but the final cutscene at the end of the credits mm -hmm. sets up the next Doctor Strange movie. Okay. So I think that's cool. Like I, I think the thread that they're weaving between all these stories is going to continue so that it then drives you back to watch the next season. Okay. And I am interested in Doctor Strange. I actually like the Doctor Strange movie. It's one of my favorite in the MCU. Yeah, 